This country started a war. The enemy, illegal drugs. And the war is still going on. For ourselves and for future generations, a new world order. The Zika virus, now more than 30 cases detected here in the U.S. Flint, Michigan, and how its drinking water ended up contaminated with toxic amounts of lead. Everything's a lie. It's all a big lie. What's up, everybody? My name is Tanner, and welcome to 1980 Now, a podcast for truth seekers and free thinkers. I hope you've all had a fantastic week, and as always, thank you for being here with me today. I've had so much support and positive feedback lately, and I wouldn't be able to do any of this without you guys, the listeners. Of course, I have to say that if you enjoyed this podcast, and if it brings value to your life, do me a favor and hit that subscribe button. And... Feel free to follow me on Instagram at 1980NowPodcast to see interesting pictures, clips, and life updates about the show. Another way that you can support me is by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Five-star reviews help the show analytically and with the algorithm so that I get recognized by more potential listeners. Today I have with me the host of the YouTube channel Woke Town, as well as the co-host of the Flat Earth Podcast. He's a father and a husband who is passionate about truth, He's very handsome and very tall. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest today is Matt Long. Matt, how's it going, man? Great. I don't know that I've ever had a better introduction than that one. I was, uh, to be called handsome and to finally <laughs> culminate my career by making it onto the 1980 podcast with my fellow Texan friend, Tanner. It's just amazing to be here. I appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Uh, I, I got to ask before we start. How is a Texan living in Canada? What is that? How is that working? Uh, so what happens is you meet a wife at a flat earth convention in Canada that you're speaking at, and then she ropes you in and, and pulls you to Canada. That's the only way it happens, actually, you know, because okay. Texans were, were warm blooded, right? We got to have that cold weather. We got the thin skin. And I tell you what, the winters up here are cold. They are beautiful, but they're cold. Uh, dude, I bet. I've never been to Canada. I've heard that it's beautiful, and um, I've heard that there's a lot of cool, you know, really cool cultural stuff there. But as far as the politics, man, I don't know. I don't know if I could do it. Tell me a little bit about what all of this COVID insanity has been like living in Canada, as opposed to, you know, what we're experiencing here in the U.S. Right. So if you're familiar with the COVID nonsense, and if you're living on the earth uh you've got to be familiar with it and you'll know it's highly politicized right and it seems that the left is really taking it overboard and uh at least the conservative conservative libertarian right um is trying to distance themselves from it obviously with trudeau up here it's a it's a obama type era up here in canada and so they're just, they're pushing it hard. They still got a two week quarantine every time you come back into the country, which I don't know why, you know, me going to the United States and coming back requires me to quarantine for two weeks when I probably see less people in Texas than I do when I'm up here in Canada. It, it's totally insane. And, and actually I was kind of disappointed when I went back to Texas over the last couple weeks and just saw, you know, the mandatory mask stuff everywhere. Not that I wore one, um, uh, it's just, it's kind of disappointing seeing everybody in a mask. Uh, Canada 
is is bad in the big cities we live in a town called grand prairie which is five hours northwest of edmonton so uh, i was walking around today actually and very few masks on you know you might see some old people and some masks but for the most part up here in the town that we're in it's a very conservative town and alberta is a conservative province it's called the texas of canada but huh yeah, so you know, a lot of a lot of cows, a lot of oil and gas, um, a lot of nice people. So Alberta is in uh, the neighboring province, Saskatchewan, are are definitely less bought in uh, to the whole uh, liberal mindset. But um, you know, I can't say, even though I love Texas, I can't say I was that impressed with their response over the last couple months. Though I when I'm in Texas, I'm in more of a city center like Fort Worth or Dallas. And so that, that may have something to do with what I was seeing. Sure. I mean, of course, those cities are going to be a lot more liberal and they're going to definitely lean into trusting the government and trusting the quote unquote, the scientists and that kind of stuff. Um, but sure. unfortunately, man, even here in, in Abilene, um, I am the only person, and I probably sound like a broken record to my listeners, but I am the only person that I ever see in public not wearing a mask. And it just escapes me how so few people are actually doing any research into this, doing any kind of investigating, and just swallowing the blue pill from the media. It really blows my mind. Um, uh, last episode, I believe, or the episode before that, I talked about how no, no, maybe it was on an Instagram live stream. Whenever the mask mandates first came out, I thought for sure that it was going to be a red versus blue, black and white, split down the middle kind of um, division with the whole mask thing. I thought it was going to be 50% are wearing their mask all the time and 50% aren't. But man, from everything that I've seen, and I've done some traveling too in the past few months, it's a about 99% people are wearing masks and I just, I, I don't understand it. I can't wrap my mind around it. Yeah. You know, part of it to me, I think 90% of it is, Ooh, people are like, yes, I'm excited. A new accessory I get to wear and buy. Okay. But uh, honestly, it, it's, it's a total fear thing. And, you know, I, I've gone through stages at first. I did the whole, Nope, I've got an exemption. I don't need to wear one and keep walking. Then it was, I would engage with someone and say, why do you want me to wear a mask? And they'll say COVID. And I said, well, how come on the box it says that it doesn't protect you from COVID? And now I just say, no, I keep walking. I went into Best Buy the other day and the lady directed, he, she directed me to the sanitation table with all these sanitizers. She said, can you do the sanitizer, please? And I said, sure. So I slammed my hand on it, blew the sanitizer all over the table and kept walking. Oh I've just have had enough. I've had, I've had enough. And, you know, we had a gentleman over for dinner two nights ago. He's from Nigeria. He is a doctor and he works for Alberta Health, which is this province's version of the CDC. And he's just irate over masks because he studied AIDS in Africa and talks about how you need an electron microscope to even see a virus. That's a thousand X magnification. And he said, the idea that a mask is going to protect you from a virus is totally insane. And he says he argues with his colleagues all day long and um yeah he's just he's fed up with it i'm fed up with it i think uh, i'm totally disappointed in the church's response during this whole deal because 
a church will sit there and praise the underground church in China for meeting, you know, despite what the, the authorities say, yet we're going to shut down for something that has less deaths than the flu by a long shot. And in fact, I would venture to say it almost has zero deaths when you take a look at whether somebody actually died from COVID or whether they simply died and they had a positive COVID test, which to me still doesn't even mean you have what they're calling COVID. So yeah, I'm, I'm done with it. I'm over it. And honestly, I'm, I'm tired of seeing a bunch of weak people walking around the streets like you. I'm on the same page, man. Um, I'm, I'm getting to the point where just enough is enough. Um, and what I was telling uh, on that, that I was doing an Instagram live stream and I was talking with some friends too. And it seems to me like if you just walk into these places, like if you just want to go for, to go get some groceries and walk into the store and not be harassed, you just have to be confident. You have to stand tall and you just have to let them see your beautiful face. And a lot of times there's something about the beast system that just bows down to confidence. I don't know what it is. And the way I likened it to, being in the wild and being confronted by a bear. If you make yourself look like prey, the bear is going to attack you and kill you. But if you stand tall and, um, you know, make yourself as big as possible and, and don't make yourself look like prey and you raise your voice at it and tell it to go away. A lot of times people will tell you that is the best way to try and survive, uh, you know, being confronted by a bear. Because if, again, like I said, if you look like prey, you're just putting yourself in a situation to get eaten. And I feel like with this beast system that we're living in, it's the same situation. We have to have confidence and we have to walk tall and um, just say enough is enough. You make a great point that I 100% totally agree with. And, you know, if you, if you look at some of the ways that Donald Trump, for example, the, the president that uh, you and I both support. I'm just kidding with you. Um, <laughs> the, if you look at the way he controls a conversation, like with the media, for example, when they're trying to back him to, into a corner, a lot of times he just holds his hand up and says, excuse me, excuse me. And then he starts to talk. And so maybe, yeah, maybe my new uh, mode of operation is I'm just going to walk in as they start to talk to him. I'm going to say, excuse me, hold my hand up, and then I'm going to keep walking. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, like you said, I, <clears throat> I, I'm definitely not a Trump supporter, but um, I can attest to the fact that Donald Trump exudes a masculine energy that a lot of previous present presidents haven't. And uh, yeah, the beast system, again, really bows down to that uh, kind of traditional masculinity of. Yeah, well, he's he's hetero. He's heterosexual for one. That's one thing he has over Barack Obama. <laughs> right yeah well and, and of course michelle obama is a dude but that's a right? that's a topic for <laughs> yes. another day um, <laughs> and maybe even another podcast I don't know. yeah it, it gets it gets very tinfoil hatty when you go down that that road but um you know once you get into flat earth it's like you can't dismiss anything anymore so right. uh yeah that it's i always chuckle but at the same time i mean barack obama has called his wife michael several times it's like how do you make that mistake you know, my, my wife's I've name never, is Jessica, and I would never call her yeah. Melvin by accident, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. So, my wife is Jessica. I've never called her another man's name. Yeah, <laughs> and so it's really weird. But anyway, so uh, another point that you hit on was how the church has responded to this. And I wanted to ask you, why, or at least to get your perspective, why have so many Christians panicked? Why has so much of the, the panic response been from the church, been from the Christian community? Where have we failed 
And what is the solution in, in your opinion? I think the major problem is people in the church are so scared of the church looking stupid and scaring people away that they're going to cower to society no matter what that is. There was an article the other day that the pastor of the church I was going to shared about how conspiracy theorists, Christian conspiracy theorists were making other Christians look stupid or look like idiots, I think is the exact quote. And, you know, the term conspiracy theory used to mean an alternative theory with uh, a covert, um, basically just an alternative theory where you subscribe the or ascribe the the motive being done by basically this covert group that wants to take over the world, right? Well, if you read the Bible in the last days, like there's going to be a one world government. The, the devil wants to do this exact thing. So uh, to, to be a Christian and to automatically have an aversion to any alternative theory that goes against the mainstream narrative is a total weak mindset. And it is the mindset of the church, by the way. It's why most churches, most Christians won't ascribe to or won't subscribe to flat earth. It's because, man, it is so out there and it's really taking a step against the culture. And so this whole COVID thing, it's to resist COVID is to resist the culture right now. And the church is so excited about being cool and having a cool name and coffee and cool music that man, they're not standing up for anything. I can, I can only think of a few pastors that have really stood up. You know, I think of Dean Odell in Alabama. Uh, there's a guy, I believe his name's John MacArthur, who said, you know, when uh, there's a, uh, an audio clip of him saying when Paul used to go into a town, he would check out, he wouldn't check out the, the nicest hotel, he'd check out the prison because he knew that's where he was going to end up. And I <laughs> thought that was a great quote. Uh, Pastor Locke out of Nashville, that guy's standing up. He, his church never closed. He's not forcing people to wear masks. He, they've realized that, man, this is an attack against our freedom. And by the way, the ability to go to church is one of our freedoms. And, and the church, it's not supposed to look like the rest of the world. It's just not. And unfortunately, man, it, it, it totally is. And so one of the things that I had a conversation with a buddy about the other day was how, man, churches, they should have a ladder of, all right, when this pastor goes to jail, this pastor's stepping up. And when that pastor goes to jail, this pastor's stepping up. And the church never closes. The, yeah. um, they should have lawyers on retainer, constitutional lawyers that that have already gone over what happens when the government tries to shut you down. And, you know, we could get into the whole 501c3 thing and, and all that jazz. But for the most part, I think the solution is a church that's not scared of the government, a church that's not scared of society closing in on it, and a church that's not scared of what people think about it. And when I say church, I don't just mean the building and the organization, I mean the people because you and I are part of a community that by nature have had to forego social consequences for standing up what we believe in flat earth, because flat earth is the most ridiculous, stupidest thing anyone could possibly believe in this society. Now, what happens is uninformed people like to call informed people conspiracy theorists so that they can appear informed in front of other uninformed individuals. It's a way for them to feel good about themselves. When in actuality, 
the uninformed person calling the informed person a conspiracy theorist hasn't done any research that the conspiracy theorist has. And so there's a, there's a gap in the education process and that gap creates fear. It creates um, a lack of confidence. And when someone is scared and not confidence, confident, they're not going to stand up for something that they, they have no faith in. The, the church is very good about standing up for missions and standing up for the fact that Jesus died and, and uh, was resurrected. And, but, but there's more truth than just that. There's more, not everyone's going to come to the Bible because someone says Jesus loves you. Someone like myself, who in my 20s didn't believe the Bible because of the heliocentric, uh, ever-expanding universe that I thought was proven, I didn't believe the Bible because that didn't correspond with page one of it. Why am I going to read page two if page one doesn't read anything like what is supposedly proven in science and uh, quote-unquote science? And so it's it's the same thing with COVID. If my church is not standing up against COVID, why am I as an individual going to stand up against COVID? That's that's the problem for me. Amen, dude. Wow. There was so much there. That was beautiful. So much gold, so much to unpack. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely on the same page with you, man. And it's it's interesting what you said about how you think a lot of the church's response comes down to wanting to appeal to the culture and to not look foolish. And it reminds me of how Rob Skiba is always talking about, you know, Kent Hovind won't have a flat earth debate. He won't, he, he won't look into it because he's so worried about all of the progress that the creationism or the creationist ministry has made. He's so worried that that's all going to be undone if he starts looking into flat earth. But Rob Skiba always makes the point that dude, the culture, the world already thinks you are foolish. The world already thinks you are stupid because you are a Christian, you know? So he's like, you need to stop worrying about looking foolish and just pursue truth. And I think that's so valid. It's, it's valuable information. And uh, you hit the nail on the head with that, man. I think you're right. I think that the church is just trying to appeal to science, appeal to the culture, and uh, take the you know, path of least resistance. Well, you, you make great points and, and I'm a big Skiba fan. Skiba is how I got turned on the flat earth and love the guy, met the guy, spent time with the guy um, uh, at many of the conferences that we speak at. And Skiba yeah, is a good awesome. example of never sell a stock when it's going down because Skiba lost a ton of subs and fans when he started talking about flat earth and had you just held on to that stock, it'd be right back up where it was. In fact, it'd be worth more than it was before because he's gained uh, a big following because, man, he does so much content. He gives it all away for free and just just a good guy. And, you know, the whole Kent Hovind thing, you know, I wonder about myself. Like, it would take a lot for someone to convince me that the earth isn't flat because my flat earth beliefs are grounded in scripture, logic, experiments, and an assortment of government documents where it talks about a flat non-rotating earth. Now, Kent Hovind, as much research as I've done into flat earth, Kent Hovind has done it into evolution and the creation and the version of the universe that everybody else thinks we live in. 
And, and God talks about in second Thessalonians, how if you have a love for the truth, God almost rewards that with an ability to recognize truth if you choose to accept it. And so you wonder with people like Hoven, how much of it was a love of truth that he was pursuing and how much it, much of it was uh, a name for himself. Yeah, so world. Yeah, sh- totally. And so I, I try to reflect on that with myself a lot because there is a human nature inside me that likes having a lot of subscribers that likes meeting people and seeing the smile on their face when I get to shake someone's hand at a conference. But I have to remember that this is about a pursuit of truth that God gave me this revelation because God gave me the revelation before I actually proved it to myself that it was true. He hit me in the heart with uh, an arrow of truth on flat earth before I spent time convincing myself I wasn't crazy. And so I'm convinced that that verse in Second Thessalonians is is true about if you have a love for truth, with I, which I believe I have, God's going to give you the ability to recognize it when you see it. Like you're going to walk into the room and you're going to feel it from someone else who shakes your hand that, that they have it. And so I'm just not sure if guys like Kent Hoven and Ken Ham from Answers in Genesis have that so much as they – have found a way in the Christian realm to make money and, 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 and you know what, and maybe, and that's pro- maybe a little bit unfair because I don't know what's going on in their heart. And, and I've seen a clip of Kent Hoven trying to share the gospel with Bill Nye. And I believe he is, he's acting out of love, but for whatever reason, uh, they don't take a literal view of creation as far as the Bible is concerned and which is amazing because they'll take a literal view on the age of the earth on the fact that man didn't evolve from slime. They just can't seem to get there on the shape. Um, It's just, it's too much to overcome for them. And and I'm not sure what the reason is. Yeah, dude, you're, you're totally right. And um, it's always interesting to kind of, tie all of this uh investigation into the flat earth topic back to all of this covid nonsense because something that i talked with nathan thompson about and david weiss about is there are probably you know probably zero i don't want to say as an absolute but there's probably no flat earthers that have fallen for this covid stuff and there's probably no flat earthers that are willingly wearing a mask i understand there's certain situations people have employers that are they're making it um you know uh, no mask no job kind of situation but um it's just interesting that whenever you really pursue truth you're gonna end up at truth no matter what happens and so so many of these people that are you know you know our peers that are in the flat earth community that are just search that are pursuing truth they don't fall for any of these man-made hoaxes whether it's a mass shooting or a fake pandemic or whatever it is and it's just so interesting to see that and then you have these other people that are really strong christians like you said like kent hoven or people like that that will fall for it you know and it's just like it's such a fine line but it's so interesting to see I don't know if that made sense. I, it, you know, hopefully that was coherent. But I'm just trying to I'm trying to tie the flat Earth 
topic into what we're seeing with the coronavirus. Oh, you're 100% right. And flat earth is the is the vaccine for tr- for lies, you know. Flat earth wakes you up to so many different things and and flat earth was my first conspiracy theory. I I I thought we went to the moon. I thought Osama bin Laden brought down the towers on 9/11. Like I was I was totally bought in. I was That's amazing. George W. Bush, he was my boy, right? Cuz he was from Texas. Um, <laughs> but you know, the it's interesting how you know, and you're exactly right. Flat earthers are awake to everything. They're not going to be, um, they're not going to be distracted by the things in the media that we now know are distractions. It's interesting that flat earth is taking off so much from 2015 to 2018 that they had to start censoring it on all social media platforms. They had to, um, uh, they every single article, every single depiction of flat Earth is that same depiction of a of a square pancake flying through the solar system, and and yes. every flat Earther thinks that's totally stupid, and and even the flat Earth Society depicts that, and I'm sure you've talked about on this podcast before about how they're uh, just a, a ridiculous organization Absolutely. full of truth and lies, and just to make us look stupid. But two, you know, you re- you want to correlate COVID and flat Earth, two interesting nods to flat earth during this whole COVID thing. One is the whole flatten the curve, right? That's, uh, that's <laughs> yeah, an interesting yeah. correlation. And then Trump just uh, appointed this guy as head of his, uh, one of his task force with the COVID deal who, who sent out a tweet, by the way, the guy's last name is Atlas. Okay. Of course. Which is interesting. The fact that it's, uh, you know, that's a map and also the, the guy used to hold up the, the world and mythology. Right. He, he put out a tweet saying there's there's two things I know or there's some things that I that are givens and he talks about how he knows that the earth is not flat and that it's round and and obviously that's an interesting nod to flat earth uh, by the, the guy on the task force and and as you know they always use the word round they never say ball right because we believe the earth right. is round and flat like a pizza but you make you just make a great point that if you're awake to something like flat earth, you're not going to be taken down the path of, of fear, first of all. And then, you know, that leads to, to many places like isolation. And ultimately it leads to a place of inaction and total um, ineptness. Well, and, and everything that I rambled about, you nailed it with the very first thing you said, which is flat earth is the vaccine to lies, you know, but uh, that's kind of an interesting statement, too, because it implies that vaccines work. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Okay. Good point. Yes. Yeah. But, You're not going to um, catch autism from flat earth. I'll say right. That. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, and, and, you know, it's so interesting, too, about, um, you know, the guy that Trump appointed and his name being Atlas, because something that I've noticed. And, of course, I'm, I'm sure everyone in the flat earth and the truth community has noticed this, too, but the elite like to encode certain words into the headlines right like for example atlas well i don't want to get into the george floyd and black lives matter thing uh i have my reasons for that at least for now at least on this podcast on this episode however i did want to uh run something by you that i actually i came to this conclusion on my own and so i just think it's really interesting the guy that um, you know allegedly choked George Floyd to death, his name was Derek Chauvin, right? So the name Derek 
is from the uh it's from the let's see i i had it written down it's from the low fransonian form of the name theodoric basically when you break the name derek down the meaning is people ruler and then of course his last name was chauvin like the word chauvinism and chauvinism is a form of according to wikipedia is a form of extreme patriotism and nationalism and a belief in a national superiority and glory it can also be defined as an irrational belief in the, the superiority or dominance of one's own group or people so what do you think that the chances are when we know that the media likes to spin things in a certain way and the elite like to encode things into people's names and the headlines and when they're trying to push a certain narrative or agenda what are the chances that this guy's name means people ruler and somebody who has an extreme form of patriotism or nationalism or belief in superiority you know what are the chances of that i mean when we look at the the pers the agenda or at least the narrative of the white man is i don't know i'm about to get too racial with all this but it's just really interesting whenever you break his name down and and, I, and i'm not even wanting to get into that i'm just wanting to get into the fact that it's crazy how these things are encoded into the headlines well, I'll and I'll just briefly touch on it, but yeah, and uh, I 100% agree with you. And you know, couple that with the fact that it started this whole campaign of I can't breathe during the time when they start forcing people to wear masks. Like it's almost too much, and the odds that that all happens is is too great to be a coincidence. Absolutely. And, well, and on that on that line of thinking, it's also interesting that the word apocalypse can be translated as unveiling and it's happening there there is a, an unveiling happening right now there's this great awakening happening all these people thousands of people have had the opportunity to you know they've been quarantined at home and they've had the opportunity to start researching and looking into different conspiracies like flat earth and there's this almost this massive unveiling happening in a time when 99% of the population has their face veiled with a face mask it's just yeah, so weird. It's like really it's God's amazing. interesting sense of humor. It's almost like the Great Awakening in Q is true. <laughs> okay, okay. So uh, I want to talk about that's one of the reasons that I've, I had you on because I have expressed to my listeners, to my audience before, that I believe that Q is a false prophet. Now, a little bit of pretext. I haven't really done much research into Q. I know what Q is. And I know that Q has seemed to have been prophetic in a lot of cases, but also been wrong in other cases. So what is your perspective on Q? Because from my understanding, you uh, are a Q follower. Is that right? Or am I wrong about that? Yeah, so I wouldn't necessarily call myself a Q follower as so much as I'm a Q fan. Okay, and, and I, by nature, am an extreme optimist. I, I don't follow the cue boards. I follow a couple people that follow the cue boards. Okay, so I'll, I'll watch a channel. My favorite channel is it's called And We Know. Uh, it's a guy, he calls himself LT. He's on YouTube and you know, uh, the channel is And We Know and that's based off Romans 8.28. And we know that all things work together for those that are in Christ Jesus, okay? And so the guy's a Christian. I, I trust that he's not, purposely being deceptive if he's being deceptive he's honestly reporting what he believes 
And so I really enjoy listening to his. He usually does a 35, 40 minute deal every couple days. He's always got great intros that are, that are really inspiring. And as far as Q, you know, a lot of truthers, especially flat earthers, their big issue with Q is that he was supposedly asked if the earth was flat and he said no. Now, one of the things Q also says is that misinformation is necessary. Uh, and, and I believe that for a couple of reasons. One, I believe that the Q board is some people in that have access to the Trump administration that are communicating with each other. They are also know that the enemy is watching. And so uh, they have to communicate in certain ways. They have to communicate with some, uh, in my opinion, falsities, because I don't think the Q board is a board just for Q fans that Q is communicating to regular people on. He's, he's communicating to other people that are boots on the ground, in my opinion. So there's, and, and you want to, you want to delegitimize anybody immediately, just go out and say the earth's flat. So I, I think that it's possible that Donald Trump can be a flat earther or Q can actually be a flat earther, or maybe the, the notion that the earth is flat is not, um, it's not important to the mission. If, if the mission is to ultimately save children and get rid of a bunch of Satanists that are, have embedded themselves in our government in Hollywood, which is the, the goal of whoever Q is, whether it's a group of people or an individual, I believe it's a group of people. Um, I, I think, well, I, I would say that I know there is evil in government and in Hollywood. That's a fact. I believe there are pedophiles in there and I believe those are facts. And the fact that there may be a movement trying to get rid of those, I'm totally on board with. And I, and I know you're on board with that too. The question of whether or not Q is really who people say he is and, and all that, I'm not sure. I do know that he asked people to pray a lot. And if it was evil, um, I just don't think it would be asking people to pray against evil. Now, does he say the word Jesus? Probably not. I've, I've, I haven't looked through all the Q boards, but I would assume that's a pretty big critique against Q is that he doesn't use the name Jesus or, or she doesn't use the name Jesus. Um, I, I think that there are a lot of things that are attributed to Q that are really just people trying to decode the Q message. So for example, when people were saying, oh, the, the 10 days of darkness are coming around Easter and the internet's going to be turned off and they're going to be, uh, the emergency broadcast system is going to be used. Well, I don't know that Q was actually saying that. That's what people were saying Q was hinting at. And, um, and I also know that this is, this is a live game, right? So um, when I played football, I may go onto the field with a certain play, but when I get to the line and I see what the defense is doing, if, if, if I've got eight guys packed in the box ready for a run, it'd be stupid of me to do a run. I, I'm going to check to a pass. So I, I think there's a lot of things like that that, that create is, issues for people with Q. Now, am I saying Q is true and I, I think Q is true? No, but I really, really want it to be badly. I, I want Q to be real. I want Q to be good. I want there to be a, you know, there's so much hidden evil in this world. How amazing would it be if there's some hidden good of people 
trying to rid this world of the evil that has embedded itself in our government and in Hollywood and in mo and all of the high places um, of power. Um, I can't remember if I've addressed every part of your question, but that's essentially my view. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't ever say I'm a hundred percent sold on Q, but as you know, I am a Donald Trump fan because of what he's uh, doing as far as pro-life goes. I believe there have been a number of prophecies about Trump, which I also believe. I believe he wasn't going to be a praying president when he entered the office, but now he is. I believe he's a Christian. Um, and I believe he is a true outsider that he actually was elected um, that he was put in place by God to help this country uh, be a beacon of light for the world, a place for Christian, a haven for Christians. And um, yeah, I believe he's an advocate. I believe he, um, I would say that prior to Trump, prior to some of the prophecies, that my opinion was that, man, it's not even worth voting because the, it, it's decided before who goes in, who's going to be elected, and it's just a different side of the same coin. That's what I believed prior to Trump. Trump has been so polar opposite to that uh, that I've had to change my opinion. on. Just like I changed my opinion on the shape of the earth, I had to change my opinion on presidents. And Donald Trump, in my opinion, is a patriot. He's given me pride in being an American, which I totally lost during the, the whole Obama debacle. And um, I believe that the media hates him, just like they hate Flat Earth, just like they hate Christianity. And, and that's, a, that's, a, that's a good resume builder for me. And um, I think he's going to win all 50 states if the Democrats aren't allowed to cheat. Um, with mail-in voting, and I believe that whether he's elected or whether he's not elected, things are going to get ugly in the streets, especially if he gets elected, because then um, what's going to happen is I believe they're going to sell this um, narrative. It's, it's called a color revolution. It's something the CIA used to do and still do in foreign lands when they want to get a dictator out of power is the first thing they do is try to put doubt in the election process that the, the person in power wasn't actually elected. And so they build not only a uh, support from the American people to get the guy out, but also in what would be a small minority of, of that country. And they eventually remove the guy from power. So I believe Donald Trump has been prophesied to be reelected for a second term. I believe if the Democrats don't cheat, that he's going to win all 50 states by a landslide, that I wouldn't hire Joe Biden to run a McDonald's for me. I certainly wouldn't hire him to run the freaking country. The guy is uh, any se seconds away from his next gaffe talking about whatever he's talking about. And um, he probably should be in a nursing home, in my opinion. But, uh, but I still believe that there is uh, an, elect an electoral process that is true. But um, I believe the Democrats have been cheating at it for years. I believe Donald Trump has gotten rid of some faulty electronic uh, voting machines and that the reason that this COVID deal has been politicized so hard by the left is to advocate for mail-in voting, which is going to allow them to send in thousands, tens of thousands, millions 
of, of fake votes to try to not have Donald Trump reelected. Because whether you are a Trump supporter or not, you, in my opinion, have to agree that the moves he's been making are conservative libertarian moves and not in line with the left. Now, whether that's going to eventually usher in uh, Nasera or Jacera, which admittedly I haven't done a lot of research on, whether it's going to eventually usher in the new world, world order, I'm not sure. I know that the Bible tells me that that will all eventually happen. I'm rooting for a little bit of a reprieve, one, to uh, live a little bit longer, uh, maybe sustain the rapture a little bit longer, have a few more kids, uh, uh, convert a few more people to Christianity who can have eternal life. And so th that's me. I'm, I'm rooting for Q, whether I fully believe in it or not. Jury's still out, but, but I'm rooting for that whole scenario, if that makes sense. No, it, man, it does make sense. And again, there was a lot to unpack there. Um, I'll just try and start with, <clears throat> just, you know, just to offer you my perspective, I'll try and start with the Q thing. Um, but I mean, you worded everything so beautifully, or beautifully and passionately. Um, but I think with the Q thing for me, I, I'm open to the idea that Q could be legit. But um, I've seen a lot of really interesting information come from the Probably Alexandria YouTube channel. I'm sure you're familiar with who she is, but she definitely has the opinion that Q is a false prophet. And so I just saw a lot of things there that really uh, formed that opinion for me. But I liked what you said about, um, you know, Q, of course, had to pay a little bit of lip service to the uh the public's perception of flat earth and how because it's not crucial to the mission that it would have done more harm than good so i'm definitely open to that and you've inspired me i'm going to do some more research on q i'm going to look into it a little bit more um definitely and then as far as the trump thing goes you know like i told you before we started recording this podcast it's not that i think that donald trump is a bad person or anything like that. I just don't like any president. I don't like any person in government. I don't like anyone who believes that they should have any power over another man. So it's not necessarily that I don't like Donald Trump because of anything that he said in the past. I don't care about any of that, you know. Um, I just don't like politicians in general. And I don't think that Donald Trump is a politician. He doesn't come from politics. So he's definitely different in that way. And I just think that Donald Trump is doing as much as he can, as, um, as legitimately as he can. But I think that ultimately he's a puppet just like any other president. And I think he is going to be used by the New World Order to usher in whatever agenda that they have. Um, but I thought another thing that I thought was interesting, though, is that you said you do believe in the electoral process and all that kind of stuff. And um, don't take this as me being hostile or anything like that, um, just offering my perspective. But for me to regain my faith in that system and in government, I would have to – it would be like if I was to go back to the globe. Okay, like for me, understanding that government is not only necessary, but it's also immoral and that – and I'm going to talk about this more on another episode just for my listeners' sake, but I also believe that democracy is immoral, the, that um, 
just because the majority of a people believe something that it's right. And then if they vote that it's right, then they can use the power of the government to force what they believe is right on that other percentage of the population. I, so basically what I'm saying is, if, if all of this makes sense, I would have to go back to believing that that system actually isn't immoral and that it is actually legitimate. So again, I don't think that Donald Trump is a bad person or anything like that. Um, and I think he probably is a Christian. And I think, I mean, he's done some incredible things within the bounds of the power that he actually has. Because I don't think that presidents don't have any power. I think they can make certain um, legislative, uh, you know, decisions and stuff like that. But again, I think ultimately, it, it would take a lot to convince me that he was actually elected and not selected probably way too much than, than we could get into on this episode. But um, I don't know, man. That's just that's just where I'm at with all that kind of stuff. I don't know that I could ever go back to voting or participating in that system that I think is ultimately corrupt. But again, that's a conversation for another day. But I really liked what you said about Q, and I'm definitely going to investigate that some more. Well, you sound like a libertarian at heart, which which I totally am. <laughs> yeah. And the only thing I'll add quickly is that there there are many interviews with Trump prior to uh, going into the presidency. I'm I'm talking like even 20 years back, and I I believe that he reluctantly uh, accepted the the responsibility to do this because there there's interviews of him talking about like. Uh, you know, people asking if he's going to run. He said, I really don't want to. I wish someone would run that would have these ideals. I may be forced to. And then, you know, the whole Q theory is that he was actually recruited by military intelligence to run and ultimately bring down this, this whole deal. And, um, you know, I, I'm with you. I am a Trump fan, but I'm with you in that I want the government out of my life. I want it out of people's lives. I think um, if you've ever written, written, excuse me, if you've ever read something called Industrial Society and the Future, it's actually the Unabomber Manifesto. It talks about how it's, it's incredibly interesting and um, I actually found it hard to find anything in there I disagreed with, but it talks about um, society and it talks about the system and how the system grows and grows and grows. And then at some point, the system... It, it gets so big that it doesn't allow anything in that isn't good for the system. It almost, it's like a living, breathing thing. And it turns everything from freedom into captivity. Like the fact that uh, we used to ride, walk everywhere. Okay. And we could go any way we wanted. And then we decided, all right, well, we created the automobile so that we could go farther, but now we need roads and, and you can only drive on certain roads in certain places. And, and by the way, you need gas for that automobile. And, oh, now, by the way, we're going to work so far away from the house that you actually can't exist anymore without an automobile. And it becomes, uh, it, it becomes a sense of a prison as opposed to freedom. And that's what the system is all about. And he talks about in that paper how you, at some point, it's actually easier to have a revolution than to have reform because the system has gone so wayward that you can no longer reform your way back to something that actually makes sense for human beings, that it takes a revolution. And I think that Trump is part of that 
revolution. Now, we're not going to re revolve into anything other than a, maybe a pure form of democracy or a republic, which again, prior to, uh, you know, Trump and, you know, it was our basically colonization of the world, like we're going to go into different countries and, and put on them what we think is a better form of government, and which I'm not for. But uh, yeah, I just, I think that, I think that in the system that we're in, it's, it's the best option we have is, is what I'm going to say. Sure. Sure. And, you know, I, I look at the, this country, and first of all, kind of like Owen Benjamin says, a country is not her government or her banks. The government is her people. I love this country. I love the people of this country. Um, but I kind of see it as a sinking ship that has a lot of holes in it where there's leaks happening, right? Um, yeah. I wouldn't want – if I'm on that ship, I don't want it to sink, right? So in, in the same way, I'm going to try and plug those holes so that the ship doesn't sink even though it's got a lot of leaks in it. I don't mean I, – I, I just – I don't want to die, right? I don't want to drown. So in the same way with this country, I don't want to see America crumble, you know? Um, I just uh, to, to to hit on your point about revolution versus reformation. I love that. I think that's beautiful. But I think that in a way, the revolution is reforma reformation because the true revolution is not going and burning down the White House or going and looting and rioting and destroying things and pulling down statues and stuff. That's the fake media created revolution. The real revolution begins at home, you know, first in your heart and then in your household with your family. In fact, Made by Jim Bob made a great meme and he posted it the other day. And basically it's two guys talking and one guy's like, we have to stop the global satanic pedophile cult. And the other guy's like, sorry, I have to stay home and watch my kids tonight. You know, yeah. because yeah. like the, the, you have this, like on one hand you have this, you know, this passion and this zeal to stop this satanic pedophile cult. But then on the other hand, all you have to do to do that is just be with your family, you know, be there to protect yeah. them. And I so agree, I cannot agree more. Yeah. I, I think the real revolution again is not destroying this country, but instead it's working within this system, like what you're doing. And I want to transition into that, but the homestead life or learning how to grow your own food, or at least in as many areas of your life as you can, taking back some of that autonomy, you know, some of that self ownership that has been taken from us by this system. So on that note, I know you're, you're limited on time, but could you give my listeners a little bit of a glimpse into your life and your family and everything that you have going on, because I know that it's beauty and there's so much darkness in this world right now and so much hatred and violence. Give my listeners a glimpse into the beauty that they could have. Sure. So I've, I've got a little bit more time than I told you on um, over message. So Perfect. don't worry about that. But um, two things that I wanted to touch on, in relation to that, you mentioned Owen Benjamin, and he was uh, kind of a modern pioneer as far as starting the homestead, a guy who left Hollywood, moved out into the Northwest, and basically started growing and raising his own food. And um, Owen talks about how, you know, it's actually kind of a lie that, that you can change the world. Um, 
and, and that is, that is a lie to get you away from focusing on the home and, and what you can do there. My wife follows a lady, older lady, I think she's from Australia named Nancy Campbell, who writes some incredible, um, devotionals and dude, I want to learn from guys, but I've tried to read some devotionals written by guys and they're not as good as what Nancy Campbell writes at two mothers about raising children in the home. And I work from home like you do. And so it's, they've been really good for me as far as, you know, having patience with the kids and raising up children with the voice of Christ in their, not in their, not just in their hearts, but in their mouths. And, um, you know, she thinks you can change the world by having babies and raising them up to be strong Christians, strong in the faith. You know, David Wise, my co-host on the Flat Earth podcast, jokes with me about how I've given up on converting people to Flat Earth and just started having more Flat Earthers because um, I had a daughter in my first marriage. My current wife had three from her first marriage. We combined, we joined forces, two great Flat Earth bloodlines coming together. And then we had our first daughter, uh, almost a year ago in November. And then we're due for our, our second child in February. And we, we don't know if it's a boy or girl. We don't do um, ultrasounds or anything like that. So we're excited to see what comes. And yes, you can, like you said, start the revolution at home. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen the movie. Um, <laughs> this just cracks me up, but uh, Jack Black's in it. It's called Orange County. And he, which would go right along with your, the branding for your channel, right? You got a lot of orange on there. So uh, anyways, Jack Black is this total low life loser. And he, um, he's breaking into Stanford University with his brother to try and get his brother into Stanford. And anyways, he, he meets this, uh, another low life girl and basically asks her if, if he wants to get naked and start, he asks her if she wants to get naked and start the revolution. And it's uh, making a reference, you know, to Woodstock and 1969, Summer of Love, all that. But in reality, it's right. Like um, in a biblical married way with your wife, that's how you can start the revolution by growing a big family at home. And one of the things that fascinated me was when I started looking into the nature of money. Money in, in general is a lie. And I promise I'll bring this all home for you. But money dollars are like inches. Okay. You can't go out and grab a few inches. You ha- you have to have something to measure. Okay. Definitely. Um, yeah. And, and dollars are the same way. Dollars are, are really, they're only paper and they're only worth what is represented underneath them. Okay. If you want to grow wealth, you don't collect cash because cash every day is worth less and less and less. Cash is the stupidest form of wealth. You want gold, you want resources, you want assets. And so part of this revolution at home and part of the thing that Owen Benjamin is into is reinvesting your cash into assets. If you have $5,000 in the bank in, I don't know, in a year from now, it's, it's not going to be worth the same amount of money that it's worth now. It's not going to be worth the same amount in gold that it's worth now. Gold in the 1970s was say $35 an ounce. Okay. And at that time with $35, you could go buy an Armani suit. And 
right now that same ounce of gold is worth about $2,000. Okay. You could take that ounce of gold and you could go buy an Armani suit, but the $35 that you kept in the bank that whole time is now going to buy, you know, what, like two pizza, two, two pizzas for your family. Yeah. So the point is that the gold doesn't necessarily go up. Gold retains its value. It's a store of value similar to Bitcoin. And what happens is, Let's say you would have taken that $5,000 and bought, I don't know, two cows, all right? And, and now those cows are having babies and you're sustaining yourself meat-wise. I apologize. I know you're vegan. Um, <laughs> let, let's say you had invested $5,000 into a, into a garden, right? And, yeah. and now that garden is infinitely giving you infinite returns on that $5,000. Once you surpass $5,000 in vegetables and fruit, it's an infinite return, okay? Because you've, you've gotten your money back and now it's just continuing to pay you. And there's a great book called Fake by Robert C. Kawasaki, the guy who wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad, who, who it's a very woke book financially. Now he doesn't get into calling the Clintons reptilians or anything like that, but he, he, he definitely um, is woke as far as money goes. And he really he really talks about this notion of an infinite return. So um, some things I'm getting infinite return on one uh, children. Okay. I, I have a child and you know, it's a little bit of effort and it costs a little bit of money maybe. Um, but we have, you know, we have the kids at home in a bathtub with midwives and, and they cost a little bit of money, but um, that child, man, no matter how many children I have, I'm never going to wish I didn't have one. I'm never going to try to imagine life without that child. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter how bad they behave. Doesn't matter um, any kind of issues they have. Now, they have no issues because they're not vaccinated. But um, I'm going to love that child to death. That's an infinite return, okay? Um, when all the COVID stuff happened, we went out and bought a horse just in case uh, gas uh, there was a gas shortage, so we have a way to get around. All right, so maybe we spent five hundred bucks on that horse, and um, at some point we're gonna ride that horse enough to where it paid for the amount of gas we have, and then with the lifespan that that is left in that horse is free. It's an infinite return. Or if that horse has a baby and we're able to sell that baby for five hundred bucks, everything else I get from the horse is essentially free, and that goes for our goats that produce milk, that goes for our chickens that produce eggs our llamas that uh, could produce wool if, if we so wanted to shear them. Other than that, I don't know what a llama does. I don't know why we have them, but we have them. Uh, one of them we got free. And, well, you know, um, I've heard they're good at like protecting other farm animals from coyotes and stuff like that. I don't know if that's I, been your experience, but that's what I've heard. I hope that's the case. I hope they're constantly protecting everyone else from coyotes because I just look at the things. I think they look stupid. And anytime I try to get close to them, they run away or they try to spit at me. So I've, I've got a love-hate relationship with the llamas. I'm going to rest easy at night knowing that I'm just going to pretend that, that they're constantly shooing coyotes away from, from the rest of the flock. Well, well, don't rest too easy, man, because I might have been wrong. It might have been alpacas that I heard that about. So, Well, they're, they're very closely related to very alpacas. Very similar, fact, yeah. Llamas and alpacas can actually have babies together. So, um, What does it become? Uh, a a laupaca maybe or an interesting uh, huh i don't know <laughs> i don't know um but yeah so uh i i've heard that too so you're you're not uh you're not the only one that i've heard that from it's uh -huh. just maybe ours are 
maybe they're vaccine damaged or something. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So um, we'll we'll kind of uh, we'll we'll start landing the plane. We'll we'll start wrapping it up. But I definitely wanted to. I, every everything you said, man, that's so cool, and I'm glad my listeners kind of got to see into that. And, you know, having a big family is so beautiful. I'm one of four siblings, and um, I grew up out in the country. Two very loving parents, a lot of love in my household, Christian household. Um, my mom got to stay home with us, uh, you know, at least until we got into grade school. And I just have a lot of really fond memories of walking out the front door in my underwear and just seeing my mom in the flower bed and just green grass and blossoming flowers and trees and sunlight and um it's just such a blessing that it's so easy to take it for granted because there were times growing up that I wanted to move into town and I wanted to move into a bigger city and kind of experience that life and I did kind of get that opportunity and there's just nothing like being with family and being out in the country and I know that probably not everyone can have that experience just when it when you break down you know how much land and stuff that we have but it's definitely something worth working towards because like you said, you know, I mean, I don't have kids yet, but we do plan on it eventually. And it, it's a return on your investment. That's going to be eternal. And there's just so much beauty in it. It's such a, um, I don't, I don't know how to explain it. it. It's just, it's such an eternal gift. So, and, and of course, like I said, I can attest to that from being one of those kids who grew up in a family like that. So man. Uh, yeah, that's beautiful. And yo, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you touched on homeschooling because it's one of the things that I that I missed. And you know, I wasn't homeschooled, but my wife was homeschooled for part of her uh, um, part of her childhood. She went to public school for part of it. She went to school in Mexico for part of it. She's seen it all. She has her teaching degree. She is full on homeschool mom. Um, our oldest that lives with us is five, and we've just started with him. And the reason we start him is because we've got some issues with our exes where they're uh, we've really got to make sure we're, we're doing things right. But, but in a normal world, I mean, uh, a, a kid before they're eight or 10 years old shouldn't be stuck in a school um, in a prison-like environment. It's getting worse now with six feet apart and mass. Um, kids were not made to sit inside. You know, the beautiful thing about homeschooling is if you've got a kid who's excited about painting, then, man, they can paint all day. You know, by the time they're 18, they're going to have everything. But let's not force our young children into these lives that look like businessmen that go off to work for eight to 10 hours a day. You know, let's let them be kids. And that's the beautiful thing about homeschool. And that's the beautiful thing about living outside the city um, is it provides so many opportunities for children to be children and to grow up well-balanced and, and grow up with a bunch of siblings like you talked about. I, uh, I'm excited for this whole COVID thing and that it's forced a lot of kids to be home for school. Unfortunately, they're not doing homeschool. They're doing virtual learning, which means they're, they're trying right. to finish all the things that their teachers are saying they have to finish, but they have to do it at home online and they have to check in, which is not homeschooling. Homeschooling is about catering to a children's needs. Uh, our five-year-old, for example, he's, he's, he doesn't speak very well. He's, he's got some issues talking. Um, so let's not force him into learning his ABCs yet. Like when he's eight, he's going to learn his ABCs in about five minutes. You know, he's going to learn the song. Sure. And that's going to be it. 
but to force a, a five-year-old who maybe isn't literary minded to learn the ABCs or to force him to know how to uh, write his ABCs when, when, by the way, he throws the ball better than most eight-year-olds, maybe he should just be throwing the ball around, you know, or maybe he should be building things because that's where he is really talented at. Well, and who was it that said, you can't judge a a fish and a monkey by the, the same standard of the ability to climb a tree. You know, because they're very totally. different animals, but they both have their own unique capabilities. Like a monkey can't breathe underwater. So uh, I love that that analogy because we force this uh, standardized system on kids in America and look at the consequences that we're, that it's having, especially when the population has grown so much. And like I was talking to my wife earlier we watched this show called season one and season two called Cobra Kai. And it's about, uh, you know, karate kid and all that kind of stuff. And there's a lot of references to the eighties and to the original movie and a lot of flashbacks and stuff. Awesome. Love the original. Oh, same here, man. Big fan. But it's just, it's a little bit heartbreaking because even though it, of course it is a movie, um, there's a little, a little bit of truth in movies, of course. And you see that society and especially young people, there used to be this innocence that they had. And even, even me, I'm 10 years ago when I was in high school, that goes to show how much things have changed even since then, which is when I was in high school, we had bonfires and we stayed up really late for midnight premieres at movies. And we were super tired the next day. And, we played in bands and we did all kinds of fun. There was just this kind of innocence that today you have these middle school kids and high school kids that are little social justice warriors and they're not getting to have that, again, that innocence, that, um, that kind of just beautiful traditional life of getting to be young. And uh, I don't know, there's so many different ways you could go with that. I'm not saying that the youth should be coddled or anything like that, but it's just, it's a shame to see. And now even on top of all of that stuff, you have these kids that are these little social justice warriors and don't even know why they believe in what they believe in. But now we have this even bigger level of mass trauma-based mind control with COVID. And now it's even worse. And I'm just wondering what is going to happen to this generation of kids. And of course, on a micro level, it's not going to be like that for every kid. It's not going to be like that for your kids. Your kids are going to have that innocence and hopefully mine will too. But when you look at it on a macro level, it can be very discouraging and disheartening because we have love for all these kids, right? Even though they're not our kids and we don't know them, but we have love for them because they're children of God, just like we are. And so it's, it's really sad to see, man. Well, you're exactly right. And you know, being the the truthers that we are we know it's it's calculated right this whole uh, this whole agenda to make people less powerful and make children less powerful and and explorate exploratory um it's it's calculated by the enemy right it's it is creating a generation of weak scared individuals and and even as a parent i may be catering to it a little bit because, man, I wouldn't send my kid out all day long running around in the woods like I did when I was little. My brother and I left at breakfast and we'd come back at dinner and we would be <laughs> barefoot running through the woods, you know. And, sure, sure. and I, I don't know that I would let my kids do that. Now we, um, and that may be me operating out of fear a little bit, but, you know, luckily we live on a, a large property and they can run around uh, 
plenty of room to run around. Um, but it is a, it is a new world and it has, we're just, we're having a generation growing up that is familiar only operating within certain bounds. And there's a quote from Max Planck and flat earthers love to quote it because they like to apply it to the globe. It says that, uh, a scientific truth does not triumph by convincing its opponents and making them see the light, but rather its opponents eventually die and a new generation grows up that's familiar with it. And this new generation is going to grow up, grow up familiar with social distancing, familiar with wearing masks, familiar with not having any influence and they're going to be okay with it. Whereas you and me, we're not okay with that. We, we want to, influence the world for good we want to have power over our children which is why we want to homeschool it's why we want to spend more time with them than a teacher it's why we want to spend more time with them than the state and as you said it is it is scary what may happen with this next generation and i don't know what the answer is i don't i don't know what the solution is other than we you and I cannot stop talking about it. You cannot stop. It's, it's honestly, it's up to us. We've been given the responsibility because we have the ability and we're going to be held to a higher, we're going to be held account for the, the information that we have. And we're, we're going to be held more responsible because we've been given it just like Jesus talks about. That's why he taught him parables because he knew there were some people that just weren't going to get it. And he didn't want to have to have them bear the responsibility of hearing the truth and turning away from it. And man, I, that's just, that's what you and I are about. We're about truth and the truth will set you free. I, I couldn't agree more, man. And it's so interesting to think about how long before, because people don't shake hands. I mean, in the past seven months, I can't, I could probably count on one hand how many people have shook my hand when I greet them. And so it just makes you wonder uh, how long is it going to take for our society to just not shake hands anymore and not look it's each other in the eye, that human connection, because people's faces are covered. How long is that going to take? I mean, it seems like it could take a lot less time than we ever imagined because, again, in just seven months, they've completely al almost rid the world of handshakes and hugs and that kind of human interaction it's um there's a great meme and it's a it's a soldier in full armor and it says me preparing for 2020 and then underneath it says 2020 and there's an arrow going through the little tiny eye hole you know like you couldn't <laughs> imagine that it could have happened this quick and I went right. to go buy a sheep the other day and went out to shake the guy's hand and he about fell over backwards trying to get away from me. And um, such a shame, man. I, I, I couldn't believe it, you know, but what an awesome way to show you're not scared by going up and shaking someone's hand or giving them a hug, you know, it's maybe we lost again. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe, maybe the hug and the handshake lost a little bit of meaning, but now it has tremendous meaning. Even if, even if, I come up to shake someone's hand and they don't want to shake my hand. They know I'm not scared to shake theirs and to see someone, man, I love seeing someone hug someone right now. And I didn't, Same that here. didn't have an effect on me before, but I see someone hugging right now and I, it really, um, really warms my heart. Absolutely, dude. Well, do you have time for one more topic? Because sure. I totally had this on my mind and I forgot to ask you about it, but while we're on the subject of, this changing world and, you know, country living versus city living, 
what do you think is going on with Agenda 21? And do you think that, for example, this virus, well, this quote unquote virus, as well as these wildfires in California and a you know, myriad of a, a, tons of other things, the mainstream science is blaming it on climate change. So how does that intertwine with Agenda 21 and especially this movement, this agenda to get people from these small towns like I live in and move us into these bigger cities that are eventually going to become smart cities? Yeah, so a lot to unpack there. And it's probably a whole show on its own. But if, if I were to just give kind of a brief analysis, and I'm, and I'm rarely brief, but you know, I've seen things on these California wildfires, one that they're following the path of this new rail line that they want to put in. And so it's, um, it's working on, you know, getting landowners on board with either selling or, you know, annexing part of their um, property to allow this rail line to go in. I've seen that the fires stop at the, the Canadian border for the most part. And I've heard that, you know, because, um, of the democratic governors on that side of the country that uh, Trump has cut off funding for a lot of stuff for them. And these fires are a way for them to get emergency support funding. Um, uh, I've, I've seen, uh, you know, people talking about direct energy weapons. Yes. And um, uh, I definitely think that, um, that there is a push to get people back into city centers. That's, that's the easiest place to control people a hundred percent. It's the easiest place to f fry people with 5g. It's the easiest place to distract people. I, I spent three months living in Tokyo and I was spent probably 80% of my time in Tokyo, the other 20% in a uh, section called Yamanashi. It's a, basically a province. It, it's like, a, it means mountain. Um, and Every time I would leave the city, I would take a train and there'd be this little point where I'm um, kind of going through a tunnel and it breaks out and I can finally see farther than about 120 feet. Because in Tokyo, you never see a sunset, you never see a star. Um, I missed the last train one night and I walked home for eight miles, it took me two and a half hours and the scenery never changed. In any city I've ever grown up in, if you walk for eight miles, if you walk for two and a half hours, you're going to end up like in the suburbs, right? Like it's not going to look like downtown anymore. Well, in Tokyo, yeah. it was building after building after building, high-rise apartment, high-rise apartment, high-rise apartment, 7-Eleven, and nothing changed. Those people are so disconnected from nature. They don't have the ability. By the way, you know, Japan's less than 1% Christian, less than 1% in line with the God of creation. And it has to do with not being in touch with creation. They're in a concrete jungle. Well, everything and has so, become so digitized and their birth rate is so low that their its projections are showing that they're not going to be able to sustain their population because of it. You know, people totally. just are become so, it's so digitized that people just aren't having romantic relationships. <laughs> Yeah. And the leading cause of death for men 25 to 35 in Japan is suicide. They hate their life. That's so sad, all they do yeah. is work and drink. That's all they do. And, you know, I feel like there was another point in there I wanted to touch on. I might have derailed your thinking, man. I'm sorry. No, no. It was, um, you know, you were talking about the California wildfires, um, Agenda 21. Well, and just how this, uh, they've also blamed this virus on climate change right. as well, which is, that's right. I, I okay. don't yeah, understand so that at all. Change. That's so crazy, but yeah, that's so what they're pushing. That's, 
that is what I wanted to touch on was this notion that uh, climate change, it's just like the coronavirus, right? There's no real villain to go out there and, and, and kill and end it. It's, it's an endless battle that they can now pour funds into and, and arbitrarily create issues, right? The, the issue with climate change is me. I'm a problem because I'm killing the environment. Coronavirus, me, I'm a problem because I won't wear a mask or I won't stay home. It's, it's a way to turn the American citizen into its own enemy and use it as an excuse to remove freedom. It's just like the war on drugs. It's just like the war on terror. There is no finish line. And it's a way to continue to print money, devalue the dollar, take away people's freedom, and, and ultimately turn it into a complete and total fear state. Yeah, it, it seems like this whole, like you said, this virus – now with some of the the headlines, some of the media, some of the narrative that's being pushed, it's like this virus is in some way supposed to legitimize climate change. And I kind of feel the same way about the mask. I was talking to my best friend the other day, and I came to the conclusion that, yeah, the mask is probably about uh, breaking down our spirits, and it's about controlling us. But I think it's also about at legitimizing the virus by adding a visual aspect to it because if you didn't walk out your front door or you didn't go to a grocery store and see people with a, with masks on their face you wouldn't have that visual reminder every single day every single second no matter what you do because the virus is invisible and we're not seeing bodies piling up on the streets we're not seeing mass graves or anything like that that you would expect to see in a pandemic so they knew the elite knew that we weren't going to have that visual aspect. So instead, they had to force the mask thing on us because they needed some way to legitimize it. And I feel like that the this narrative about the virus is just another way, and the wildfires too could be just another way to legitimize climate change. Well, you're totally right, and you know the the left unfortunately is not a very intelligent audience. And so if I go out and I say a sentence that has 12 words in it, and half of the words are climate change, social justice, uh, COVID-19, I'm going to get a thumbs up from just about every millennial punk rocker out there except yourselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, man. Uh, it, it, it's, it's a crazy, it's a crazy reality and it's sad to see it. And, um, you know, it's interesting that the and, and again I don't I don't put myself anywhere on the political spectrum but it's interesting to see that the pro science left is actually very anti science and we'll we'll wrap it up but I was having a you know when I was having my conversation with Dave Weiss we kind of talked about the same thing is that and I talked to Mark Sargent about this as well is that these people that claim to be pro science they claim to be the party of science they're not interested in actually looking at any real science about vaccines or about climate change or about the shape of the earth. They don't want to see it. They have their established narrative, their established perception, and they don't want to go any further with it. And that that's something that's so appealing to me about and again, I just want to stress this. I don't identify as a conservative or a Republican. I don't identify as liberal or anything like that. But honestly, the conservative right is a little bit better about engaging in discourse and dissent 
they're better about having an open mind. And in fact, there is a uh, vegan animal rights activist that I used to follow. His name is Gary Yurofsky. And he said he was talking to a room full of college students about veganism, plant-based eating, and all that kind of stuff. And he said on any given day, he would rather talk to a group of conservative Republicans in Texas about veganism because those kind of, that demographic of people doesn't think that they know everything already. Whereas people on the pro-science left, they think that they already know everything. And I thought that was so interesting because, of course, a, a vegan animal rights activist is going to tend to lean left. Yet even he had the wherewithal to see that people on the right do tend to be more open-minded. And that's the irony of the whole conversation is that the people on the left are supposed to be the open-minded ones, the free thinkers, but they're not. So, And I'm not trying to – I know that I have some leftists in my audience. I'm not trying to deride them at all. I'm just saying it's a really interesting contrast. Well, you only point out things that are easily observable <laughs> by just sure, sure. listening to them talk for more than five minutes. And again, I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm just challenging them to challenge themselves. Yeah, exactly. And, Be you know, better, you, you know? Yes. And, and you bring up a great point about science. And there's a great quote from an author named Philip Dick who says something along the lines of the, the easiest way to control society is to control words. If you can control the meaning of words, you can control the people that have to use them. And what's happened is, is the word science has been redefined. Science used to just be a tool, just like walking. Walking produces something. It produces a change in location. Science is supposed to produce evidence. And evidence, by nature, is unbiased. It's readings. It's measurements. It's um, analysis. Um, or it's numbers, right? But what, what they're actually talking about when they're talking about quote-unquote science is they're talking about an interpretation of that evidence or speculation based on that evidence. And what happens is evidence is the same for every side, okay? Um, and a creationist is going to look at the same fossil that an evolutionist is looking at. It's the same piece of evidence, but they're going to have different interpretations of that evidence. A creationist is going to say that was laid down um, during a cataclysm of Noah's flood. Well, the evolutionist is going to say, no, it was laid down over millions of years of non-catastrophic processes. It's the same evidence. In a murder trial, you've got the same evidence. One side is convinced, trying to convince the jury that that evidence exonerates his client, while the other side is going to convince the jury that that evidence convicts the the client or the defendant and so what has happened is science no longer means unbiased bare information it means the mainstream's interpretation of reality so unfortunately yes they're using the word science in quotations but they're not actually talking about what the word science means they're not talking about a method by which evidence is derived they're talking about now they're talking about a literal religion that has been created with the sole purpose of removing an all-loving god from any process or any topic of study and it is it's an evil agenda in my mind to discredit page one of the bible and if you can discredit page one you can keep someone like myself in my 20s from even worrying about reading page two, because I, I thought the Bible was a ridiculous book, had been disproven, um, when in fact, come to find out years later that it's actually the most historically accurate collection of books in the history of the world. So I've gone full circle on it. 
Right on, man. Well, that's a, an awesome testimony. And yeah, you know, like you said, evidence always just comes down to a matter of perspective and interpretation. And just to break it down to the most simple level, you know, there's that meme kind of, um, it's a drawing of two guys and they're both looking at what could be a six or a nine, but they're both looking at it from different angles. So to one guy, he insists that it's a six, you know, that's on the ground. The other guy insists that it's a nine whenever it's actually the same thing. So a lot of it totally. does come down to perspective, but at the end of the day, you could find the person that drew that on the ground and you could ask them what their intention was. And, you know, I feel like you could liken that to digging deeper into the truth and um, f uh, searching for the author of creation, you know, just to, to tie it back to the Bible. Um, so yeah, man. And you know, the, the, it's, it's just so interesting when you're looking at this topic of science and for so many, for centuries, the, the narrative has been that the church or that religion or that the Bible is the, on the opposite end of the spectrum of science. When we're in reality, I mean, God created science, right? Bible says, prove all things, test all things. And so, um, uh, it's it's just interesting when you think about how that narrative has been spun when in reality we wouldn't have science if we didn't have our creator so when i was young i was or when i was younger when i first started reading the bible for myself because prior to reading the bible my opinions of the bible were grounded in other people's opinions of it right like i had a total preconceived notion of the bible that was totally false when I started reading it for myself and when I started saying, hey, there's actual researchers that, that back um, the biblical side of the argument and there's actual information out there. When I started to figure out that these textbooks, they weren't proven facts, they were just theories. I started to find some really good stuff out there when I started to look into it for myself. And it was freeing to know that, hey, I could be smart and believe the Bible at the same time. So Definitely. you're you make, you make great points and, you know, you and I are on the same page there. Um, I just, I challenge people if they're listening, if, if they have a preconceived notion of the Bible that it's false, you are in for a, a big awakening. Just go check out uh, Woke Town on, on YouTube. And I do yes. a talk on the reliability of the Bible. And it is, um, it's almost a joke to think that, um, that someone doesn't believe the Bible. And if, if someone doesn't believe the Bible, it's only because they haven't done the research into the amount of evidence outside the Bible that supports it. So just like with flat earth, man, you can't look at it with honest eyes and spend any real time investigating it and not come out on the other side as a flat earther. So yeah, great point, man. Well, Hey, listen, Matt, I really, again, I appreciate this so much. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to have this conversation me and you kind of flirted back and forth on instagram for what a couple of months now trying to work out of time so um i'm so glad that we made this happen there's so much gold and everything that you said and i can't wait for my listeners to hear it well yeah I, I really appreciate it and um you know you reached out to me and i was bummed i couldn't do it from the get-go and you're a busy you know. man dude i totally yeah. understand five kids will, five kids will keep you busy and <laughs> So, yeah, no, I appreciate it, and um, I, I had a I had a blast doing it. Heck yeah, man! Well, hey, you take care. Uh, God bless, and hopefully we will eventually cross paths in person someday, man. Anytime you're in Abilene, let me know. 
uh, just hit me up on Instagram and we'll have to connect. I don't know if you'll ever be here again, but Hey, who knows, man, maybe, or maybe in the future, if we're able to have a conference again, we'll cross paths. Yeah. So yeah, sounds good. I'm, I'm actually going to a flat earth meetup this weekend in Edmonton and um, I'm going to be speaking at a conference in our, actually it's going to be in Georgia called Skyfall, skyfallconference.org awesome. for anyone that's in that area. And yeah, I love Abilene. So I'm sure I'll make it back through there at some point and would love to stop in and say, Hey, heck yeah, dude. Well, Hey man, y'all take care and be safe. Okay. All right, man. Appreciate it. All right, listeners. If you made it this far, thank you so much for sticking with me. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and follow me on Instagram at 1980nowpodcast. That's 1980 underscore podcast. And if you really, really liked the podcast, you can support me by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and maybe I'll read it on the show. And of course, be sure to check out the Loose Tongue Podcast. They have an Instagram, they have a Facebook, I believe, so definitely check them out, follow them, subscribe, and show them your support. As usual, another really cool episode will be dropping a week from now, so be sure to stay tuned. All right, guys, y'all already know, I'll see you next time. Stay free.